0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Becoming the One Percent Podcast. My guest today is Dr. David Skolnick. He is the owner of the Stronger Emotion brand. He is the host of the Essential Strength Podcast. And he is an instructor at the Pain Free Performance Specialist Certification Course, which I myself took. It's an outstanding course. Big shout out to them. I hope you enjoyed this episode
1: of the podcast. What's up, David? Hello. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. Yeah, it's nice. This is five minutes from my house. It, no, this wait, is amazing. Wait. Yeah, straight up. I think we actually even... said five minutes. <laughs> We
0: brought that up <laughs> when, when, we, we, when I was taking the cert. And I told you, I'm like, yeah, I'm in Morrison Ranch. you like, oh, I think that's kind of close to me. I think we're right in the same. Are you in yeah, I Morrison live off,
1: Ranch? No, I live on the north side <laughs> of Guadalupe, but off Wrecker. Oh, so perfect, we're straight shot. Well, that's outstanding. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Jake, Eli, just so you guys know, uh, I met David during the PPSC certification. He was the instructor, and it was how long ago was that? Now is that two weeks, three weeks ago?
1: That was probably four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, dude. Time is flying. Yes. But
0: yes, met him exceptionally. Gifted teacher, sincerely, bro. I've taken dozens and dozens of those things. That was very, very poignant, very good stuff. It was basically a foundational course. It was based around the principles of a proper dynamic warm-up. So it was, and it's what I love so much about this world is that you can take like one small, I mean, the warm-up, that's like one-tenth of one session of someone's program over a month and a lifetime and take Two days, it was sixteen hours. Mm-hmm. It took sixteen hours just to, to focus on that. Wow. It was a it's I love that's what I like to my point, getting really, really deep on one or two areas. It's what I like about this.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really cool course. Um, the first day is like a one hundred percent six phase dynamic warm up. Mm. And then day two of the course is how does that warm-up feed into our six foundational movement patterns that we teach in PPSC, Mm -hmm. which is the squat, the hinge, the lunge, the push, the pull, and the carry. It's on the back of my t-shirt. Yep. And, yeah, you can talk for eight hours on Saturday. And I love it when you're, like, six hours in and it's like, guys, we're six minutes into the warm-up. Yeah. Right? Like, don't (laughs) forget that we're only six minutes into the warm-up and the warm-up isn't even the training. Exactly. Right, so we're six minutes into their session, and the session's sixty minutes, but like you can be so systematized, mm-hmm. um, but still not be like super dogmatic, right? And be like, this is the only way to warm up. Right, right? it's a six phase system, individualized to your client. But yeah, if you want to be a good trainer, like you should be able to talk about a warm up and think about a warm up and think about it for eight hours and yeah, choose things on purpose.
0: Yeah, and yeah. choose certain warm-up movements that pertain to the exact movement pattern of that workout. Right. That That is one thing that is, I feel, even in myself, was lacking for maybe, say, the first third of my career as a trainer. I got really dogmatic with my warm-ups. So I was like, all right, we're going to do this, this, and this. and That's the warm-up for everything, no matter what. It and I always focused on my education was always based on the training. It wasn't ever really focused on expanding the warm-up process to get ready for the training. And so it's been a very, very good test of myself to keep expanding that. And this certification, specifically this one, how many different variations of the PPSC certifications
1: are there? Because you mentioned there's Kettlebell, there's Mace. Yeah, so the one you took is formerly called Level 1, which is now our Foundations course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we have PPSC Training, which is our Level 2. So that essentially takes Day 2 of the Foundations course Mm -hmm. and spreads that out over... A full 16 hours okay so you get the movement pyramids the mm-hmm. squat the hinge the lunge the push the pull and the carry mm-hmm. but then you explore the pyramid like laterally as well so it's not just you know level one's a, a trx squat level twos a body weight squat squat level threes a, a goblet squat to a box four's a goblet mm-hmm. squat without a box then it's like what if we added bands to that yeah what if we included tempo what if we did accommodating resistance via chains what if we did unstable surface training and then you, it's 16 hours of, like, little bit of talking, lots of practicing. Yeah. So you get to feel, like, what is an offset-loaded, band-assisted split squat with <laughs> <that> the rear, <laughs> elevated feel like? Yes. And, like, what client might benefit from that under yeah. what circumstances and, like, breakout conversate? And then we have a 16-hour a, a functional kettlebell training certification. Mm-hmm. So it sticks to that same six foundational movement patterns. So I think it's kind of, like, the only kettlebell cert that gets outside of swing clean snatch get up which is on it which is it? like everything yeah yeah, yeah that's it's... what i did when
0: i went on it was that
1: yeah on it does that <clears> and um strong first does that and <clears> most <throat> of the big kettlebell certs that are like russian kettlebells yeah are it's going to be two days of that yeah. and then you take a test where it's like can you do a one-arm push-up can you do you know a throat to bar pull up with x percentage of your body weight and that's the strong first stuff yeah <clears throat> But what we do via, um, it was developed by Cliff, who's our COO, is how do you apply kettlebells to all six foundational movement patterns? Like, how do you add a kettlebell snatch with a step up? Like, what about lateral? What about rotational double kettlebell? So the first time we taught it was last january in san diego Mm -hmm. up on a it's called fit mission beach so we were outside on this like third floor rooftop gym deck on the boardwalk sure that really sucked yeah (laughs) that was horrible it's the worst course i ever took (laughs) it was uh and so like the first day and a half was all up on that rooftop and then the final half of day two we went to the beach and just worked on like kettlebell juggling where you can like drop it in the sand that's great it was so cool and like big group circuits with kettlebells Oh, um, if you live you on the do... beach,
0: man, all you need is a kettlebell. You can crush yourself on
1: the beach with a kettlebell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, kettlebells kettlebell like the golf of fitness. Like you could swing a it kettlebell is. till you die. Yeah. Um, We have a programming certification, which is online only. 16-hour deep dive into programming. That would be a good one. That's been consensus everyone's favorite like specialty course so far. You're, I'm going to
0: have you give get me dates on when all of these are offered. Absolutely. Especially that one. I, the next one I was considering was the kettlebell. It's a... It's a practice that I'm a little shallow on. I have a very decent base of understanding with kettlebells and all the movements that you mentioned I can perform with a kettlebell, but getting really intensive with that is just like the the warm up See for me, I think most of my education. Has all been focused on level two, as you mentioned. Like, like your level two is mm-hmm. probably what I spent like 95% of my time. Cause I love that stuff. Like, how yeah. can I take this? Add chains, unstable surface, how, how can I do odd object training mixed with cardio, mixed with you know what I mean? Like that to me is how I spend most of my time when I develop training. Programming, kettlebells, all those other offshoots are probably where
1: I would want to go next with this, because this is this I love this stuff. I'm a total junkie for it. I love learning. All of that. The kettlebell cert was awesome. I haven't had a chance to go through the programming certification yet. Like that's one that I'll probably kind of do on my own time as soon as I Mm -hmm. can or sit in uh, next time it's done like live online. Yeah. What else do we have? We did a a 16-hour business, like fitness business certification with. That'd be a good one. With John Russin. So he's talking about like how do you build like a fitness empire Mm -hmm. side of things. But then we had four hours from the perspective of like, a personal trainer inside of a big box gym? Like how do you be an intrapreneur within one of those models? Right. And then four hours on like, okay, let's say you transition to being an independent contractor. How do you grow that business? Like Mm -hmm. what are the legal things you need to think about? How do you build a clientele there? Then it was four hours. What if you own your own standalone gym? What do you do there? What are the legal things there? What are you looking for in a building? How important is parking? How important is it that you're not on the second floor and then the neighbors below you're like stop slamming the fucking medicine <laughs> i'm gonna get the landlord to kick you guys out and you're like yeah shit i invested all of my own money into this yeah and now i gotta find a new deposit and a new yeah. space and then it was also like the how do you build an online fitness business mm-hmm. and hire a staff yeah so it was really that was a really cool one and then we have a mobility cert an online oh okay. mobility cert
0: oh wow yeah
1: the uh, so it's it's 2022 was sort of like the year of going from the foundations course with a couple level twos around the country that are less frequent. Yeah. To like, let's build a kettlebell cert that's functional. Let's build a mobility cert that's like totally unique in the industry. Let's do a business cert that's no one's ever done before.
0: How long have you been involved with the PPSC?
1: I took the course in January of 2021. Okay. And... Cliff taught it. It he was here in Scottsdale at a VASA. Mm-hmm. One of our other instructors is like head of fitness development for VASA. She writes all their group programming, like oh, supervises nice. their hiring. She's fantastic. Her name's Ginny. And so I took the course with Cliff. And then after day one, he asked if I had any interest in teaching. After because, day one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was the only PT. So people ask me this when I teach, like, how did you end up doing this? Mm-hmm. I was like, I was in the right place at the right time with the right background. Yeah. Right. Your so background just, is, if you could briefly. Yeah, sure. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Mm-hmm. I compete and coach in powerlifting. Mm-hmm. I train people online and in person. I've done group fitness. I hosted a podcast, which is currently sort of in a hiatus based on time constraints. <laughs> you don't um, have to explain that. I've like kind of developed my own little like local workshops for the last few years, depending on where I've lived, and hosted those. Yeah. So I'm very comfortable talking in front of people. And so when I took the course, I was the only PT. Yeah. It's usually like 85% fitness professionals in our level sure. one. Um, PTs tend not to want to take fitness courses, even we, though it would probably be something We had a I few really in when I we was there. There were yeah, like three
0: awesome. or four PTs. I was even surprised. Because yeah. you're right. It's usually not... It, it's not the practice of PTs. There seems to be oftentimes a bit of a divide between what PTs do and what trainers tend to do. And it it usually becomes, okay, I got hurt. Now I'm going to go see my PT. And the PT typically doesn't have access to the kinds of equipment to push the person well enough to where they don't have to go back to their trainer. Mm -hmm. Typically you go, at least that's always been my experience. And and it's a big, it's a big reason why I want to expand and do the PT clinic here is to be able to, you know, get a PT that can also use everything we already have and have a location that fits for the people that are training here. And so it, it, it is surprising to see so many PTs and it's it's exciting to know that there are people in your field that are also taking strength training so seriously. And I understand it was the warm up level 1 cert so that I suppose does appeal a bit more to PTs. Yeah. All that stuff we went over, you could ac- that's the other thing about the certification the one that I took that was so incredible is you can accomplish that full six phase dynamic warm up with little or no equipment access. It's mostly bands, body weight, and a foam roller. Like that's really all you need in order to perform that, and that's great. That minimalistic
1: ideology is the most accessible for the most amount of people. Yeah, like our one of our biggest slogans is "Make lightweight feel heavy, so that heavyweight feels light." Mm-hmm. Right, and and it's like we want you to own the body weight stuff and make a body weight squat feel harder than you ever thought it possibly could, mm-hmm. so that you can earn the goblet squat. Mm-hmm. Right. And once that goblet squat feels super solid and looks super solid to the coach's right. eye, then you've like earned the right to do a Zercher squat mm-hmm. and you've earned the right to do a front squat and you earn the right to do. And some people like you say earn and people are like, ah, you're a gatekeeper of exercise. Let people do what they want. And you're like, that's fine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Never trained one in your life. And half your clients are probably hurt right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like it, there is a big disconnect as PTs. We don't get, we don't learn anything about periodization. Uh-huh. Like we don't learn the differences between like training for hypertrophy versus strength versus muscle endurance. Like mm-hmm. I learned that going through the CSCS. Yeah, right. And so what what I was saying is like, I, like I've been involved in this for going on two years. The mm-hmm. course I taught a month ago was my first time ever teaching solo. I've traveled and done assisting. Yeah. So I've, I've been at on it with a coach named Roman. I've been in San Diego with Ginny. I've been in Tucson with Justin, who's another physical therapist. And um, yeah, again, it's kind of like right place, right time, right so background. So my class right was the first one,
0: the first one I ever did have. alone. So, Bravo. Yeah. You did a good job, man. Thank you. That was really good. No, yeah. seriously. I, I Like I said, I've taken dozens of those kinds of weekend workshops and certifications and stuff. It was very, very good. It was Appreciate a good that. use of time. Pretty sure. That. What what would you say? Because this is one of the topics that I really wanted to dive into. I want to talk about training. And specifically, I I did not know that y'all offered a business course specifically to address this very issue. Mm -hmm. As a trainer, you've got, we do some seminar work where we talk about the once upon a time trainer. That's the trainer who goes into LA fitness with their cert. They want to start off. They want to build their clients and then eventually hope to leave and then eventually get the money to get their own space. Hopefully those people leave with them, probably not. Then they have overhead, then they try to make it do it, make it all over again. To me, that sounds like the single worst business plan that anybody could ever come up with and it's what I think maybe 80 to 90% of the trainers I talk to, they're on that once upon a time trainer journey. What is your opinion and what
1: advice would you give to those people? How do they break free of that? So I think, and I've been, I have a call, a former colleague from Portland and we've been on a couple calls recently because she's going from working in like corporate wellness Mm. to going back to personal training. Mm -hmm. And it's like, where do I sort of restart? Right. Do I try and find like a small sort of like private club? Do I look somewhere like Equinox? She's in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I just try and do my own thing right away? And so I think for people who are newer, in general, I am a fan of the idea of working in a big box gym to start. Okay. Because I think you need the reps with the people. Like I think you need a pipeline of clients Mm -hmm. that are just being fed to you. Yeah, Like you're going to be basically forced to learn how to sell mm-hmm. yourself and like separate yourself from a group in like a 40,000 square foot gym yeah. that could have 40 personal trainers. Like why are they going to pick you? That's kind of important to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're going to learn what type of client you like to train, mm-hmm. which might be even more important. Because if you're going to go out and do this on your own and you want to make fitness a career, mm-hmm and 80% of your clients you don't enjoy working with and like you dread that they're on your schedule every week like that's going to burn you out so fast and especially like, just in, become a physical therapist like yeah. let insurance send you people <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and in the beginning you won't have the freedom to be too selective if no, they come to you and they say yes yeah. you're stuck with them you're going to you're going to okay. train you'll train their dog if they ask you yeah. to like in the beginning yeah. you you're starving totally. Yeah. that's totally normal
1: yeah so I mean, I, I I totally agree. I think that is a super common route, and I don't even necessarily think that that's a bad way to go because I do think for new personal trainers you should go to a big gym like an Equinox, like a Lifetime, mm-hmm. where they have continuing education like built into their model. Mm, like yep. Equinox does so much in-house education. Do
0: we have an Equinox? There isn't in Arizona, There's is an there? Not no.
1: here. But there are multiple lifetimes. Yeah, we, we just signed. PPSC just signed a contract with Lifetime.
0: Is that is that the one you would education. would you would you go on
1: record and, and suggest a big box gym that people should lean toward? I mean, Equinox has a fantastic reputation mm-hmm. for creating like world class trainers. Okay, and multiple coaches on the PPSC lead instructor staff sure came up through Equinox and became like they were the trainer of the year for two straight years in the state of New York, mm. right? And then they went out on their own nice right because they kind of tapped out yeah but you can make like you can make six figures in a gym like that if you're really good at what you do yeah you're willing to put in the time and then you have so many people that potentially will follow you Mm -hmm. but i think the issue would be if you don't figure out who you want to work with and kind of like what niche you want to go into Mm -hmm. that's the recipe where then you leave and you don't have that pipeline of clients and you're not like the guy or the girl for something Mm -hmm. and there's no reason for people to seek you out yeah right and so that's I think that's a big thing and that that's in physical therapy too. like yeah physical therapy right now is sort of I think fracturing in two directions which is giant corporate companies buying up small mom-and-pop clinics and incorporating them into these like nationwide networks Mm -hmm. which contract with all the big insurance companies yeah but because reimbursement sucks you're seeing three to four patients an hour.
0: That does seem like a burnout situation.
1: Which is a burnout situation for the therapist. It's not the type of care you go to school to provide, mm-hmm. but it's the only way to for those businesses to be profitable because insurance pays the therapist so little. Right. And then the other side is the therapist saying, I don't want to deal with insurance at all, except maybe Medicare, because mm-hmm. they actually pay. Yeah. And if you're 85, you're not paying cash for anything. We right. have yeah, Medicare. Yeah. You're going to go to Medicare provider. But they're opening a cash-based clinic where they can charge what they want, treat how they want, mm-hmm. but you need to have some sort of a niche. Yeah. So if you're a generalist, why is someone gonna pay you cash when they could go a block away and, and get a five dollar copay? Right, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. That's gotta be one of the biggest differences between the PT and the trainer world is the inclusion of insurance. Yeah. As a as a trainer, and we went through several different transitions of processing payments and how to do it. We did, of course, long-term commitments, short-term commitments, split session, all that kind of stuff. But not including insurance is sort of both a disservice and a service to you at the
1: same time. For fitness, it's like, do you want to get in bed with insurance companies? Yeah, Because it's like, it would be awesome to think that health insurance valued personal fitness enough to be like, we will cover yeah. your Gym membership and a hundred dollars a month towards personal training.
0: Isn't it gross that? They but at won't? the same
1: time, you're like, but do you want <laughs> yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, because then you're going to have to like write notes about your sessions, most likely, and you're going to have someone yeah. auditing your training. Uh huh. Because insurance yes. isn't going to pay for you to do something that they don't think you should, mm-hmm. and you're going to have old trainers getting hired to like review your training <laughs> sessions and be like, don't pay for that one. Yeah, that's crap. Yeah, like yeah. no, no, no. Like it's my client, we've taught so. Eh, yes yeah. and no.
2: I think you see companies starting to move more towards like proactive training, health, wellness programs. And they're actually putting into the budgets now where, you know, a certain amount of their budget goes to that corporate wellness. And so that's kind of cool. They're a little ahead of the curve, you know, when compared with insurance companies, but it's cool to see that transition happening.
1: I love that. Like, I spent a couple months a couple of years ago, like researching how to potentially like break into that side of things, like Mm -hmm. providing corporate fitness. Yeah. Because that's like, that's the perfect in between. Yeah. Right. You don't have to deal with insurance. Right. But you don't necessarily have to ask the individual to pony up a hundred percent of their own money to do it. If you could get an employer to pay X dollars per head Mm -hmm. to provide some sort of a training plan Mm -hmm. to their employees based on data that shows, you know, if you exercise for forty-five minutes in the middle of the day, your productivity for the mm-hmm. afternoon goes up. Like sick days go down, back pain goes down, and back pain's the number one reason people don't go to work. Yep, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that's a blossoming thing with things like you know Google and companies like that, sort of leading the way with their on-campus gyms and on-campus rehab mm-hmm. and on-campus sports leagues and yeah, nap time and all this all this like revolutionary stuff.
0: You mentioned finding the niche. That's a really good one to find yourself in if you can get the proper paperwork and credentials to back up your claim and get in with a big corporate company and get into you know their gym or their private area, or maybe you just lead something in a conference room. But if that's your thing, mm-hmm. then you can get reoccurring. That's a really good way to have reoccurring clientele. If the company Huge. is your client, most likely they won't drop you, at least not like a normal person would. A normal mm-hmm. person will go for a month and then quit. A big company like Google will probably, if they like what you do, they'll keep you on for a while.
1: Yeah. And I and, think it's an easier sell. Like, Hey, do you want, like, we could take pre tax out of your paycheck, and you get, you know, three workouts a week, and you get access to our like on campus gym. You're like, yeah, that sounds fine.
0: Yeah. That'd be great. Right. No, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good way to go. And it's, it's an out of the box way of thinking about it, which is a big, a big part of why I think so many people do get tripped up in the beginning. They don't quite, and it's understandable because I didn't really either. You don't quite know which direction you want to take the first five years as a PT or as a trainer. You don't, you're finding yourself in, especially in a box gym, you've got 30 people around you that are five, 10 years ahead of you. They've been there for a while. They've already got their clients. And like you said, it's, it's very competitive. I mean, if you go into LA fitness lifetime and you're trying to get fed clients, well you need to have a reason why they're not going to be fed to the guy ahead of you like why should they feed them to you yeah
2: that that's one of the you know you bring up a good a good point but that's one of the in my opinion the values of being in a big box gym too is the the idea of mentorship like you've got people that have been there that have done it that are actually you know bringing in revenue and have clients and they can kind of show you the ropes where if they're willing to if they're willing to but if if you're going out on your own you're not getting that opportunity, that same opportunity that you would in a big box gym. So I, I do think that's a good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then use it. Like if you think that a big box gym is not going to be you forever, which it's not going to be for most people, unless you want to like move up that ladder mm-hmm. to like, I'm, I'm going to manage team. a branch mm-hmm. of whatever LA fitness or East Porta, whatever it's yeah. called now, or, or I want to be like the East Valley lifetime fitness sort of like supervisor. Mm-hmm. Great. But I think if you know that eventually, like most of us do, I think most people who get into fitness are also relatively entrepreneurial, Mm -hmm. then as soon as possible, it's like, I mean, take notes, think about who do you like to work with? Who seems to like working with you might even be more important. Oh, heck Who do you feel the most comfortable with? Yeah. Right. It might be people, women 65 to 75, which is like a pretty lucrative market to be in. Oh the bet I would say that's probably the best <laughs> yeah yeah I think females over the age of percent of people who hire a personal trainer are women mm-hmm. and a vast majority of those are like 35 to 55 yep like it's not gonna I would have said over 40 athletes. yep it's, it's not gonna be 20 cuz they don't have any money
0: when you're young and stupid oftentimes you think I just want to work with pros I just want that would be it just get to the pro level and a, a small bit about my background I actually started with the NFL I started with PEP and I did that for about four years I to, probably my least favorite demographic to work with are high level athletes. It's perfectly fine. And it's, it's not a problem. I get why it attracts that, but it's, you're talking about a subsect of people who are going to improve maybe one to 5% people with oftentimes very large egotistical thought process around training around themselves. Young kid, $5 million in one year mm-hmm. wouldn't be egotistical. It's, it's a difficult group to fashion your entire niche around, but I also see the value in getting in with a mentor who's doing something like that. If yeah. you can find someone today literally when I was getting a Stutch bros I pull up the guy sees me in the truck and he's oh I I recognize you from TikTok you're the you know what's one thing he's like I'm trying to think about do what's one thing I should do if I if I want to be a trainer like what's the very first thing I should do and I'm like oh get a get a really good trainer he's like no no I want to be a trainer I'm like yeah get a really really good trainer like find somebody who's ahead of you Get with them, have them work with you. I found Ian and he, his place, he was, he brought me on as an intern, but I also paid to be a client Mm -hmm. and I did that for four years. That's what gave me the understanding of, okay, I don't think I want to do a big box gym experience like a lot of my peers are, but I also have been given a invaluable experience on how to program, how to periodize and how these guys at the top, if I can, if I can figure out how to train Jeff Charleston, I can train the forty-five-year-old woman from Morrison Ranch, no problem. Absolutely. It's just kind of tapering it all down.
1: Yep, yep, I completely agree. I completely agree, and it's—I would say—don't be like. Part of it is also I—I I think being open-minded about that mm-hmm. and not predetermining who your favorite client is going to be. Mm. That was like one of the things I ran to as a PT, like graduating from school. It's like yeah. I thought I knew who I wanted to work with, yeah, and I sort of just like forced myself into that situation even though once i'd done like my internships Mm -hmm. i that was probably my least comfortable setting was like orthopedics is that what you thought you wanted to do that's what i went to school to do gotcha and then i ended up going back into like geriatrics and working with older people like complex problems but very simple treatments and like built some confidence and now i'm back in orthopedics but i'm a confident therapist right right and i can understand like i don't feel personally responsible when people aren't necessarily getting better, Mm -hmm. I'm much more patient and I can preach patience because I've got enough experience. Yeah.
0: Respect the process. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Jake.
2: Um, what words of advice would you have for like a young personal trainer trying to find their niche, like who they want to work with? What would you tell them?
1: Well, I think there's probably a couple ways. One would be again, like who do you enjoy working with? Absolutely. Who do you feel the most naturally comfortable around? Mm -hmm. I think that niche can change.
0: And be open to that. Be open to the possibility of changing your market, changing mm-hmm. who you work yeah. with. If you get stuck, like if you had just stayed with orthopedics and refused to change,
1: probably wouldn't have happened the way that it did for mm-hmm. you today. No, no. And then I think like you'll get feedback from clients too. Mm-hmm. Like who do you do the best with? Who, who re-ups, like who sticks with you for like six straight months And then the one other thing I would say would be if you want to be a good professional in any industry, fitness counts as one of these for sure. It's like, what do you enjoy learning about? Mm -hmm. Because if you want to be, if you want to have a niche and develop a reputation as like the best person in the area for something, like you're going to have to commit to learning about it and loving it. Yeah. 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 That's how I knew eventually I was going to get back into like sports and orthopedics as a physical therapist. Cause even when I was working with like, stroke patients and 95 year olds with broken hips and all that kind of stuff. And I enjoyed my patient interactions. Like I was still training people in a gym on the side, right? Mm, I'm like yeah. reading strength and conditioning articles. I'm watching strength and conditioning. You Like yeah. I'm not going down the like stroke rehab rabbit hole and like, can't wait for that three day acute stroke vestibular <laughs> rehab course. <laughs> like yeah. I, like I was still working in skilled nursing when I took PPSC. Mm. Like I wasn't working in orthopedics. I was working with online clients and I was working in a gym like three hours a week. Uh But those are the people I wanted to be around. I just needed to rebuild my confidence that I could treat them as patients. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One other thing to your point, figure out for this trainer, figure out what style of training you want to do. Figure out if you want to do one-on-ones exclusively? Do you want to do small group? Do you want to lead a boot camp? Do you want to be an online trainer? You need to figure that piece out. And just like with what kind of a niche do you want to create, you need to be open to the possibility of that changing. You need to be able to, hey, if I just go into this and I think, okay, I want to do one-on-ones and that's it. And that's it for me. I'm going to get to where I can charge 150 and that's it. The end of the road. And you never open up to the possibility of pivot. I think you leave a lot on the table. Even just speaking monetary amounts like you just may you may find aside from just the money you may not make you are also leaving open the possibility that you may love something more than you ever because you never experienced it and for me i mean it was if you started with i think i did one boot camp style training when i was in california and I I started out that way. I thought, hey, maybe this would be because obviously everyone told me, hey, if you lead classes, that's where the money's at. And so I started that way. And I within a month, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm not really big on this. This is just kind of my ADDs too. I'm trying to correct everyone's form. It's just not enough time. It didn't really work. So I steered away. But that would be something that I would think very important for the for the new trainer to figure out.
1: Yeah, and then the, I mean, this is just a great question. One thing that I will definitely like. Preach till I die to newer trainers. Mm-hmm. Like, what courses should I take? Oh, that's a good one. One, yeah. take courses, yeah, especially if they're in person. But then, so the weekend after I taught in Phoenix, I went to San Diego mm-hmm. and I taught there. And there was someone who's new to training, and they just feel like they, you know, they've got the imposter syndrome. I don't know enough. They didn't want to even start training people because they didn't feel like they knew enough to train anyone. Yeah, it's like, well, you got to start first. Mm-hmm. But they're like, maybe I'll go back and get, like, a master's in, like, exercise physiology. And you're like, your clients don't care. No. <laughs> clients don't really care. don't. Right? <laughs> so, you already know more than them. Yeah. Just by doing a NASM cert or an ISSA. Like, you already know more than the people who didn't take that cert. I see you looking back at that. <laughs> and but so, to give, yeah, to context. give a
0: context so i i i have a master's in exercise science as the capstone course for the exercise science curriculum they mandated that we take a certification test and a little bit a little bit about me i despise proctored exams i hate that format i don't i don't learn from it and especially i chose nasm because it was one of the only ones they offered they're like you can take the nasm cpt And I was like, all right, fine, I'll take it. And everyone who was like a coach who they have all these workshops on how to learn from and study guides. And they were all saying, just so you know, this style of training is shit. Like their format, their all that stuff is not, it's not good. Don't do not apply this to to clients. Just take it. I understand why you need it. Just take it. So I didn't really take it all that seriously. and And I went in. And I failed it,
2: you did lose internet connection though
0: <laughs> i i i i did I, I i went in the internet went down, and then i yeah I, I ran out of time, I ran out of time and I failed it, but i but I got the masters, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going back and taking that again, and so now it's being held he'll never right hear here. the end of that one I'm <laughs> saying, I need to just pass it just so y'all can seriously stop That's how
1: all standardized tests are, like yeah, you gotta take the test because you gotta take the test, yeah. and then you like forget it but what i was what I would say is, so like obviously I'm biased. I would say every fitness professional should take the PPSC course as one of like the... I agree. Once you're certified as a trainer, Mm -hmm. take PPSC level one.
0: Distinguish the difference because you just said something that's very important. Once you're certified, then take the PPSC. And for trainers or people who are listening who want to understand the difference, your certifications are often what we were just discussing. They're proctored exams. They have little, you know, an NASM or a CSCS or an ISSA. That's a certification. And there's a big sort of disconnect, maybe not disconnect, but a little bit of a disagreement over the importance of certification over practical application. Mm -hmm. And what you guys are doing with the PPSC, while it is technically a certification, that test was, you know, it's it's willy-nilly, it's open book, it's nothing. But the hands-on experience, in my opinion, you will learn. It's why I keep taking stuff like this. I'm a junkie for it. If you are hands-on in-person something with a good course and a good instructor... I find that you will learn so much more than if you even, like I said, I got a master's. That is not what I recommend to people doing when they want continued education. I'm like, if you want continued education, you need to find a good instructor or a good weekend workshops. Just take those. Those may not be your certification that gets you your job interview, Mm -hmm. but once you have one or two of those, you don't need any more. And like you said, no one cares.
1: Yeah, so what I mean by certification is like, a lot of gyms will require right a baseline. It's like a license, essentially, mm-hmm. right? You're like a licensed or a certified a CPT, a certified personal trainer, yeah. right. via one of these larger governing bodies, NASM, ISSA, NSCA. If you want to be a strength coach, ACE, ACE, yep, ACE, absolutely, yep. CSCF. So that's like a – qual- is probably. Different. Yeah, it's. Would different. you say like, it's got to have an undergraduate degree? in order qualify, to even qualify for the it. CSCS and that's the one that would make you eligible to work in a collegiate strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. That's the top one in that's, my opinion, yeah.
0: right? Am I right on that? You probably agree. know more than me. That's the best agree. one.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean the other three mean you can work at 24 Hour Fitness. Mm-hmm. CSCS means you could get hired at like Purdue to yeah. work for their football team. Right. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah. But those are typically required just to work in most of these bigger box gyms, right? Mm-hmm. It's a barrier to entry thing. Like you put in the time, you studied, you have some knowledge mm-hmm. of anatomy and training, whether yeah. it's outdated or not, like doesn't matter, probably is. Everything is. Anyway, right? Yeah. The research we read was done 4 years ago. Right. Right, and then it had to be like reviewed, then the paper had to be reviewed and rewritten 4 times and then it got published. So it's like research 2022 research was done in 2018. It's already outdated. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Um but once you have the baseline foundational certification that makes you eligible for a job in a gym mm. then i would say everyone should take ppsc I because agree. every one of your clients should have a functional warm up and you should understand the six foundational movement patterns mm-hmm. and it gives you sample programming for like any client you want once a week twice a week four times a week this type of split body weight split, full body every day, strength-based hypertrophy. Like it's literally in there.
0: Just for the pyramids that go with each one of those movement patterns, squat, hinge, you've got, because I I went over, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I know, call it eight out of 11 of these movements, but this was worth it just for me to see the last three. If you're somebody who's just starting out and you're taking, because most everyone, if they're, Logically thinking, and they find your certif- your course, they will take the one I just did. They'll take foundations. Mm-hmm. All right, that's definitely the beginning. I need to take this one. You're going to walk out of there with 50. I don't know how many movement patterns, different work of variations there were, at least 50. 10 per pyramid. Yeah. Pyramid has two sides. So you're
2: okay. talking like 120 100, exercises 120
0: exercises, exercises just right there. 120 exercises that if you adapt those, that's your entire training module right there. That's mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. That's worth
1: the price of admission, just that. And what I'll tell people after that, right? Like, PPSC, because it's immediately actionable, like it will make you a better trainer. I don't know that going back and getting a master's in exercise science will actually make you a better trainer. Mm -hmm. Or if you've got NASM, like, should you go get a CSCS? If you're still just planning on working in a big box gym, Mm -hmm. probably not going to make you a better trainer.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So then I would say, choose a certification that clients will pay you for. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. Has an ROI,
1: a kettlebell course. Mm hmm that's going to make you stand out. I'm the kettlebell guy. I can now create a kettlebell group training class and Mm -hmm. no one else is doing that where I work. No one else is doing that in my zip code. So like, don't take a, once you've got the basic knowledge, then take something that like is a weekend that makes you a specialist in something, Mm -hmm. right? Take a Joel Jamison conditioning course. Go, Go do something that is like starting to like get that, an inch wide mile deep like yeah. start going deeper yeah. soon a Joel
0: Jameson yeah. that, I'm
1: sorry that he, he wrote the he wrote like the bible on like how to create like um 8 weeks out he wrote he's not Have guy. you taken
0: it? His yeah. I want to. No. I, I but I'm second just person thinking like, people yeah. do
1: things that are specialties. Right. Take a kettlebell course. Take a functional body like I don't know. Just take take something that starts to narrow your scope. Like mm-hmm. people are like generalist a kettlebell course. Like, that's different. Yeah. yeah. Not just another guy who did another exercise science study.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the saying is generalists get general pricing, specialists get special pricing. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Who's the most, who's, like, the most famous, oh, my gosh, what's his name? The investor who, like, still lives in his childhood home, the British dude. Like Eli, be the one. You're, you're not Burdock? talking about? Warren Buffett? Warren Buffett. That's, that, what, that's, right, Warren that's Buffett. what I thought you were he talking just, about. He just, he just, I just saw a little clip of him, and he's like, the best thing you can invest in is becoming a specialist and the best at what you do. Yeah. Because no matter how bad the economy is, no matter what else is happening in the world, mm-hmm. he's like, people will trade you their wheat for your skill. So like, you got to have the skill that's the best in the area. Oh, and yeah. like, you will never be hungry because people will always need the best person at anything. It's why I did this here. Yeah. I, I,
0: cause I, when I first started scoping out. I remember when I was looking at houses, it was, it was an, it was an option to go anywhere. And immediately when you, if you had the idea and someone was like, okay, I want to create a really elite one-on-one or semi-private training facility. Where should I go? Almost everybody would be like, okay, Scottsdale, go to Scottsdale. That's your location. I I looked at that. And I, first off I knew Ian was there. So I was like, okay, I don't, I don't think I want to be in his market. I'm going to look out here. And when I, eight years ago, this was farmlands and like cows, nothing else took a gamble on that. But now out here, there are no elite private. There are very few, mm-hmm. very, very, very few. In fact, there might be a couple more I but not that many. Location is enormous if you are to do something like this. And like you said, you know, finding a place where no one else is. Yep.
2: Yeah,
1: hundred percent. And it like, takes. Look at on yeah, it. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know how long it's been there. You're in like Austin, Austin, right? Yeah, Austin. Yeah, Austin. It's in yeah. Austin. Austin. The gym is incredible. Yeah, it is. It's like a fitness speakeasy. It's it's crazy. <laughs> you walk into this like little front area with like a cafe that serves right in like thing yep and coffee and mm-hmm. like they sell the crazy monkey like when's the last time you went there i taught there in february of this year nice yeah yeah.
0: it's one of my favorite locations so cool it's such a cool gym. like this
1: is so small this mm-hmm. is so weird and then you walk through a door and you're like gym yeah. and then you're like another door and you're like oh another gym i walked in and and another door you like a was... third gym like, this is yeah. insane. The, room, the <laughs> yeah. sweat
0: studio yeah. in there is—they have black this... light. It's like a black crazy. light dim. It's like the coolest spin studio you've ever seen, but it's all maces and clubs, and it's—it's it's called the sweat. The sweat studio, I think, is what it's mm-hmm. called. It's got this it's big like black ape light painting. It's like you got like Joe Rogan on the wall. <laughs> I was walking in when I did this, and Cowboy Cerrone was walking out. And I was yeah. like, oh okay, this is actually a really good spot. I know, yeah. I
1: knew it would be. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Shout out to Oni. They have, an but awesome they were probably about.
1: one of the first elite training places in Austin before Austin. Blew up, blew up, right? And there's yeah. still NFL and MLB players who only go there in the off season. 100, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. Their facility is unique. It's it's got a because it's not it's not CrossFit, it, but it's also it's also not like a bodybuilding place. Like they don't have a lot of machines. They don't. They have a they have a very healthy and interesting style of training that goes on in there.
1: It's very very functional, quote unquote. Functional. Right,
0: right. That where there's something gets thrown around a lot. Functional. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, For sure. Austin has
2: kind of become a weird hub for like now podcasting and then like gyms. It's kind Mm -hmm. of got this weird, and then it's got the, uh, I think it's musical scene and all that. It's, it's an interesting spot.
0: Everybody moved there during COVID. Everybody just up and
1: went to Austin (laughs) and it was already expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It already blown up with tech. Austin's fun though.
0: Austin is fun. Yeah.
1: But I think it's a very good point. You're like, where are the people? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, another thing is like, who can afford you? Yeah. Like, there's a, I mean, I obviously want to work with as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. And like, I would love if everyone could afford to work with me, but that's not realistic. No. Right. And if fitness is going to be your career, even if, like any career, it's like, even if you would do it for free, you can't. Right. Right. Cause no, then you got to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make money somewhere. And you're
0: doing everyone a disservice in that equation. If you're, yeah. if you're undercutting your, I was, briefly when when that question was asked after the course that that day one I, I i touched on that it's you're doing everybody in that equation a real disservice by undercharging including mm-hmm. the person that's paying you yeah mm-hmm. because someone paying you you know less
1: than you're worth is less invested than they should be jonathan goodman just posted something about today he's like how did i take my business the guy who wrote the pt i DC saw that book, post yeah he's like what are five things i did to go from like losing money in 2021 to making money in 2022. Mm -hmm. And one of them was like, instead of lowering my prices, I doubled them. Yeah. It's like better clients, better training plans, better consistent effort, Mm -hmm. right? Better referrals. Yeah. Everything went up. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You get clients that put skin in the game, they show up, they do the work. So, yeah.
0: How do you think online fitness and in-person fitness can, in a most call it a collaborative way operate in the same at the same time for the same trainer. Like, where do you fall on that? So here's what I
1: personally do. Mm-hmm. So I do some one-on-one coaching, but it's relatively limited because mm-hmm. my time is very limited. Like sure. I'm a, a full-time clinician yeah. and I'm a coach on the side and I travel and teach. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of time for one-on-ones. Right. What I do more of is semi-private, right? Four to one ratio client to coach. Yep. So I can keep prices much more reasonable for my clients, but I make more as a coach in that hour Mm -hmm. than I would with a really high priced personal training session. Yep. Then with clients who, so part of this right now is because my time is limited. There are people who only get to work with me once a week, semi-private. So it's like four to one ratio once a week,
0: which is semi, like we all know four to one,
1: four to one. Yep. Yeah. And we all know, like I know, and they know that's not enough mm-hmm. to achieve their goals. Yeah. So then what I offer is an add on, right? You work with me once a week in person, and then I have a monthly rate to add online programming that you do on your own time. Yeah. So that's, they get both. They have me as an online coach and they have me as an in-person coach. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one really good way. Right, because then it's just a recurring like subscription-based online coaching. It's incongruent. Like I, I can do it whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Right, I. It's asynchronous. Sorry. Like I send them the program, they do it. I don't. I'm not clocking in. It's not taking away from anything else I do.
0: And it helps mirror the things they do with you in person.
1: Yes, I write the plan, and yeah. one of those sessions just happens to be in the gym with me. I'm not mm-hmm. like one plan for in person and another plan for online. Like you're getting three workouts a week. Mm-hmm. You're paying me a hundred dollars a month. To get the two per week you're doing on your own, mm-hmm. and you're coming in and paying a different price for that training session where you get me as your coach. Sure. Yeah, yeah so I think that's a cool. It's marriage. a hybrid model. Yeah, yeah. You have a hybrid even if, model coming in twice a week. Even if it was twice a week one on one, like you it's could still do not twice a week full body. And at some point they're going to realize like I'm not achieving my goals. Yeah, it's like well either you're either going to have to pay to see me four times a week, mm-hmm. or like I can write you a plan to do on your own. And it's just a, it's a separate charge. So you can, I think you can definitely be both. Mm -hmm. One thing I will say is I've heard people, I've heard people online fitness coaches sort of selling this idea that once you get your NASM certification, don't coach people in person, go straight online. I think that's a horrible idea. (laughs) I don't think anyone should ever do that. You don't
0: think anybody should be a terrible coach. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah well, you've never had any hands-on work. You've never coached. Never. You, 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 and that's, that I think is oftentimes the big discrepancy between the online and the in-person. And and it's also why I think a lot of in-person coaches, myself included, will sometimes, maybe not look down, but will look down on people who are online fitness coaches. They don't train in person. They are online yeah. fitness, period, the end. You will look at them and you will be, okay, well, all right, this guy's got 800,000 followers. This person's a really good salesman. Of course they're an Probably coach. a very <laughs> shitty coach but that's the that's the disconnect. You've got very very good salesmen and businessmen who can make a killing as online coaches, maybe not actually going to fix your rotator cuff. Probably not going to get you that 40 pounds off that you're hoping to have by September. Like it's 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 a disconnect between what you want and what you get
1: and where
0: to choose.
1: It's like the I don't know if I mentioned this in the in the course that I taught, but um I heard someone talking about how like when the Olympics come around, everyone's like, especially dudes like, God, I wish I looked like a swimmer, <laughs> right? Because swimmers have that like cover model, almost like body, right? Like right. Broad shoulders, six pack, all this stuff. Anyway, uh-huh. are like, what Skitty do they waves, do? Yeah. Like, how do they train? You're like, that's not, they don't look like that because they swim. They swim because they look like that. <laughs> yeah. You did right? mention like that. Yeah. That guy on Instagram, he doesn't look like that because he's an online coach. He's an online coach because he looks like that. Yeah. Yeah, he has the body. <laughs> he has the body to have a million followers. Uh huh. Like all he needs to do is convert point five percent of those mm-hmm. into paying customers, and that dude's set. Yeah, because he looks like that. Yeah, not because of how he actually trains. He's basically a pro athlete. He he trains like a pro athlete, and he has he the has, genetics he has of a the genetics athlete. of a pro athlete. Yeah, it yeah. He, he's had a six pack since he was eight. I was about to say, am... <laughs> right? <laughs> <This is> like, <laughs> it, it's not fair, and yeah. I get that. But could you learn from that person about like how do they plan their social media content and strategy? Absolutely. But could but you I learn how to, to get their yeah. fitness like maybe a fitness business course? Maybe. But unless like slide one is like pick the right parents. <laughs> so you're together <laughs> at one point and that's your start line? You're like they're lying.
2: Put putting on your um, <laughs> online coaching hat. Um how effective is periodization in online programming? Because there's some guys in the online industry, speaking of Jonathan Goodman, they're like, don't worry too much. Don't put too much emphasis on periodization because you've got guys that are going to be on vacation. You've got all these different things that can come up and you're going to spend a lot of time building out this program, not knowing all of these different things that might come up and affect the periodization. Is, are there different considerations for in-person and online when you period, periodize a program? so
1: i think if you were writing like a what we call in ppsc is like team training or like group online right you write one program that's pushed out to everyone who subscribes to that program Mm. yeah you're probably you probably shouldn't overthink that because you don't know how consistent that person is going to be when they're traveling but that's the point of like a low-cost team training program Mm -hmm. okay you know you have you could have a hundred people firing a shotgun really low you're like this program is meant to basically achieve these blanket results if that sounds like something you want to do like this would be a great program for you and you don't want to pay the cost of like a one-on-one coach Mm -hmm. so I would I would say yes I do think that to be a good so I look at almost everything through like a strength lens that's how I train that's how I rehab people too i think most patients underlying problem is they're not strong Mm -hmm. okay you got to deal with the pain in the clinic but then usually the problem is like their functional reserve is low because they're not strong enough to do more than like move their own body around and like something breaks because they decided to move a chair right Right. like they were they had a they had the flu and then they couldn't get out of bed and they could barely get out of bed when they were feeling great Hmm. like they're just not functionally strong weakness enough. you mentioned weakness. that in the it's a chronic condition chronic. in society weakness yeah and like strength to weight ratios are mm-hmm. just like fucked yeah but <laughs> i think if the goal of a program is to improve your client's strength even if it's online group or team training oriented i think you have to have some sort of progressive element like maybe not periodized to the point of like every nine weeks we're doing a deload and like i'm gonna do like undulating periodization and I'm going to go like West side style where I have like a dynamic effort day and a max effort, like that's probably too far in the weeds. Yeah. (laughs) But the way I approach it typically with stuff like that is I'll keep exercises pretty much the same for like three weeks. And I'll recommend my clients try and keep the weight the same for three weeks. And I bump the reps week. One is four by eight week. Two is four by 10. Try and use the same weight. Week three is four by 12 try and use the same weight week four is four by eight go up in weight. simple so i'm trying yeah. to like always do that yeah so i think you don't need to periodize it the way you would for a an individual client or like a power lifter where you've got a, a meet target date and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but i do think you always have to have progression sure because that's maybe the biggest area that people who don't work with a coach or follow a plan, mess up. Okay. Yeah. Like that's the guy who's been doing lat pull downs with the same weight for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And the same hamstring stretch.
0: Nor do they shift mesocycles, nor do they change. Oftentimes they go okay. in a like, quick. all right, I know what today yeah. is. Today's back.
1: I'm just mm-hmm. going to go do what I always do. And this is the day. Three sets of 10, six exercises in and out. Yeah. It's always barbell rows, yeah. lat pull downs. For half a rep, right? Uh-huh. Flat pull downs that are here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've <laughs> seen that guy. Tricep <laughs> extensions that are here. Oh yeah. Biceps that are mostly back extensions. Oh, because <laughs> it's way too heavy. And then they're like. <laughs> no nah, the same
0: would, what's going on i would love i guess i'm getting take, older yeah right <laughs> <laughs> i would love to take um I, I, the second the second uh course the ppsc offers is it what's it referred level two training training, PPSC training. you teach tr- training as well
1: i have not taught that one yeah yet. No. Oh,
0: man i'd love to take it with you that would be a blast because that yeah. again that to me is where i love to where i love to hang out that's my little sweet zone that's my favorite yes. um but i think a big part of what a To that point, what a trainer is being hired for is often your creativity. When it comes to that, half of the battle when it comes to periodization is just being creative and coming up with fun ways to do things. Mm -hmm. Half the reason people don't go to the gym is they're bored. They don't like it. They're like, this is overwhelming. A, I don't like all these people in here. I can't get to what I want. B, and then I don't really, it's not really fun to me. I do the same things every dime. There's no new equipment. There's no, nothing like it's always the same. It's half the big battle with a coach is figuring out a way to make that entertaining.
1: I went to uh so I work at, um, it's called pit fitness in Chandler. Yeah. I've heard so of, I it. do semi-private training there. Yeah. And we had a community workout Saturday morning. It was like a full body chipper kind of CrossFit style, 10, 10 movements, 30 run reps of each.
0: Well, that Halloween. sounds uh, horrible. Halloween.
1: Food. And then yeah. an 800 meter run with a med ball. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It was <laughs> awesome. Just my favorite type of workout <laughs> as a power lifter. Yeah. Um, but there was a guy doing goblet squats, and you know he's like kind of kyphotic like shoulders are already a little bit forward he's a Mm -hmm. desk jockey type of person yeah you're holding a pretty heavy kettlebell here yeah and so it's like the goblet squats don't look good because the kettlebell's pulling him into the posture he's already got right i was like hey man just try this like flip the kettlebell over and hold the bell so the handle's pointing down yeah and he came over after he's like dude you're the mvp of this whole hour (laughs) he's like i've been doing goblet squats for two years and I've never thought to just flip the kettlebell over. He's yeah. like, those felt so much better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's that sort of creativity. Yeah. Yep. Like that's as basic as it gets. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I was filming some content a couple of weeks ago, and I basically did fifty-two variations of a one-point-five stance squat. Like that's a 52? year of programming. That's so much well, fun. You know, like yeah, okay. yeah, TRX, uh-huh, body weight, goblet, offset.
0: Do you have that video up on your I've social? I've done
1: three, I think two or three rounds of it. Um, if Let's you see, scroll down a little bit. Just One point five stance squat, press clean, snatch. So that's like level three.
0: I did so see there's, this video there's
1: part two. So that's so I did basically suspension, body weight, goblet, offset, uh huh. Suspension with rotation, body weight with rotation, goblet with rotation, offset with rotation. Uh huh. Start over, add a press. Start over, put your foot on an airx pad. Uh start over step into the squat instead of being fixed the whole time right right here my feet are they're rotating a little bit but what if you started with your feet together and step i see it yeah yeah
0: so there's another four to the to the layman i mean this would be they probably wouldn't understand the differences between they may think this is a totally different movement just because you changed a small thing to us it's like yeah i just made a small small adjustment Mm -hmm. now it's a new movement
1: yeah so then you can go now oh, you I have like an that upper one. body component.
0: I like that one, like a single arm thruster.
1: Yep, and then you can add with a clean, clean. yep. Now you could go clean to press, and you could go snatch. You could do all of that with your front foot on an Eric's pad. That's different. You could do all of that with rotation. You could do all of that stepping into the position first. Like mm-hmm. that's four options with four movements each. That's sixteen weeks of programming.
0: Right. If you like the rotative aspect, have you ever seen the uh, the reactive trainer? You ever seen that thing? The cortex? Mm-mm. It's that, uh, Eli, can you pull that up? The, it's, it's, it's this disc. It sits in this little, uh, swivel. It's got these ball bearings that allow it to move. It's the, it's the most sensitive, uh, reactive trainer that I've ever seen. Uh, no, it, no, it's, uh, not that one, buddy. You go, uh, um, uh, reactive. There it is. Reactive training. I'm probably on their page somewhere.
1: Like a swivel board. There you basically.
0: go. Yeah. So you see that one? Oh Yeah. It's the single most sensitive.
1: Oh, it's almost like an endo board where it can go like any direction. Yes. Yeah. It's the, it,
0: you know what it is? It's an endo board with a, with a bumper pad to it. Mm-hmm. So an endo board, as you know, I mean, you can slide right out from underneath that thing. Yes. Like, like you could, that's the, that's the negative side. It's why I don't do those with clients. Fall. Cause you could yeah. fall with these. It's got a bumper. So see how he just hit it. See how he's stopping. Mm-hmm. He'll slide and then stop. It's got a stopping point. So you mentioned liking to work but the with the cue is like, try and stay in the middle exactly yeah the cue is don't touch the edges mm. and it works really well for senior populations for people yeah. with balance immobility that's something that really applies to both strength and like pt it. oh yeah for push-ups push-ups are brutal on it oh that's a good one never done that one
1: but, like that position could be a 1.5 stance squat with that's exactly what one. i was thinking yeah. you could take this and apply yeah. it to what you just did
2: yeah eli there's our, the our pickleball. The
1: you could do the whole thing with maces you could do the whole thing with, yeah. you whole thing with whatever you want
0: mm-hmm. look at click on the one with jessica eli see the one with uh yeah so this is one... So she started off by grabbing the, uh, the XPT rack and doing this. Mm-hmm. Now she's doing it with uh, just a single stick mobility. Nice. So that's her progression. Yeah. We, we take away the stability of the object
1: that you grab. I So speaking of the creativity part, like I personally don't think that most people need a personal trainer. Mm, interesting. But I think that almost everyone needs a plan. Okay. Anyone who's not a fitness professional needs a plan. Yeah. Right? Like, I think probably more people than have personal trainers need a personal trainer. But if the goal is to kind of like, and maybe this is the PT in me, it's like make people independent. Mm -hmm. Like my goal as a physical therapist is to discharge the person so they don't need me anymore. Sure. Maybe I discharge them to myself and I'm their coach now. Yeah. But I think at some point it's like, I don't need you to hold my hand anymore, Mm -hmm. but I also don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't so you think like,
0: there's a difference between the PT and the personal trainer when it comes to that exact because PT, yes. I should be able to let you go and fly away as yes. soon as possible. So we're no longer doing that strength training. And that's what I explain to clients because they and it. oftentimes you have to do it in person in order to learn this. Having a trainer and having a good like going in there is a luxury. That's on top of everything else. It's a trip to Disneyland each day where you get to have some fun. You don't really outgrow, at least if I've done my job, right? You shouldn't outgrow the enjoyment you get when you go in there, which is why continuing it happens.
1: So maybe a better way to put this would be like, it's not personal training or nothing. Mm. Like I either work with a personal trainer or I am completely on my own in the gym. Mm -hmm. Like I think most people need a plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the biggest, I mean, a personal trainer is huge because you can help people do things better. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Not right. Cause there's no right or wrong way necessarily, but like more optimally for them. Sure. So maybe it's more of like a hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, I want you to see me once a week so I can teach you new things. Yeah. But then I'm going to also give you a plan so that on your own, you're making progress and mm-hmm. you have like, so the slogan for my business, stronger in motion originally was like fitness with purpose. Okay. Cause I think most people just go to the gym And do the same thing over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And they have no idea why they're doing what they're doing other than someone told them to two decades ago. Or like they did Mm -hmm. it in high school football. Yeah. Or they're afraid of anything but machines. So they just do a machine circuit. Right. And you're like, why? I'm just trying to lose weight. You're like, you're sitting (laughs) on a machine. Right. And then you're sitting on the next machine. And then you're reading a book. Well, bike, (laughs) right. And there's not sweat dripping in your eyes because you're not trying hard. Like you don't, but you don't know that what you're doing is not moving you towards your goal. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I think everyone who's not a fitness professional who has a goal needs a plan from someone like a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that is a remote teacher. Maybe it's someone who just wrote a curriculum and you download it. Yeah. Something that you can follow. And then the next level will be like, you know what? I need to actually work with a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? or I need to like take that in-person course because I've read I've read five strength and conditioning books on my own now mm-hmm. and I've got enough knowledge but like it's not, I'm still, I'm either more interested mm-hmm. and I, so I want to coach for my own purposes or I feel like I don't yeah. know enough so I need to coach for that, that purpose. Everyone should
0: have a coach. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. You always, like always, always, yeah, you need a teacher. Someone is always ahead of you. You're never, the, I'm of the opinion you're never truly at the top no matter who you are. I think you should always have somebody who is either at your level or ahead of you that you stick around with. I don't. It's very if you important.
1: Said this on the podcast, but that was a good point you made when we were just talking after day one in Phoenix. Was like how you set your prices. Mm. And how you raised your prices was yeah. by just comparing yourself to someone who you thought was better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, if you haven't said that out loud on the podcast, that would be a good thing for people to hear Like how you did that.
0: Yeah, that's a that's another big point of contention, I think, for trainers. This is after you've gotten your niche, you've gotten your clients, you found out, OK, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? How do I scale? And that's something that I'm sure your course covers, but it's something that for me at least, that was a real tough thing to challenge. I didn't know whether or not it was okay, let me just overnight 10x my prices and just let everyone figure it out. Maybe I lose them, maybe I don't. One area that I really struggled with was finding out the proper progression of pricing and how it could. I didn't want to, because I had a lot of people including my father telling me there is no one is ever going to pay you a hundred at the, at the time it was a hundred bucks. He's like, no one is ever going to pay you a hundred dollars to come work out in your garage with you. It's never going to happen. And it was a very, uncomfortable transition for me. But one thing that helped me was looking at the market around and looking at the trainers that were around me. And that's why in my location, I felt very comfortable in what I was doing. I said, no, I, I I just, I respectfully, I disagree. I think that this is worth a hundred dollars and then 120 and then 140 and now 150. And I did that based on who was in my area and what they were offering. I looked at, okay, well, if I am, if I'm charging a hundred who around me is charging a hundred, what are they doing? Well, okay, you know, this guy, he's got this studio. He does semi-private six-person classes. I go in, and I literally did this. I walked in because I started with Google, which is a great place to start this. You find out what everyone's charging. I picked the top three, went in, met with their coaches, and this is back. I don't think I could quite do this now because they probably know who I am, but I walked in, took their classes because a lot of these guys would be either offer sort of consultations or workshops or just something to get an introduction, talk to them. Kind of dug out the the nitty-gritty of what it is they were offering and started from there. That was where I, and I always had, I think I brought this up the day after class, I always had the backdrop of knowing where the top was. To me, still to this day, Ian Danny over at PEP, he charges, I think he charges 300 a session. But I know what he does. I know who he works with. I know what he offers. And that is still, that's still the peak. That's Mount Everest out there. And I'm not there yet. But it is, what I'm, is what I'm offering worth half of that? Yeah, it is. So 150 makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, very important. That's a really, really important area for, I think, any entrepreneur in any field. Find out what you're selling. Find out who else is selling it and what they're charging. And and try to check your ego out of it a bit, and really be unbiased, and ask yourself: Is what I'm offering better, or even the same? That's a big, because you, you can price yourself out of the market. If if Absolutely. you if I jumped into this and I said, you know, well, I'm by myself here. That's private training. I'm gonna charge 150. Ain't nobody gonna come in here and work. No. I didn't even have AC. I had no AC. I had no. It was. It's not it, that that was not a worked. But with time, with patience, and just with knowledge being kind of the back bone of all these decisions um it did work yeah and so it is it's working now
1: i don't know if you did it this way but one thing i found effective is when i've decided to raise my prices i'll raise them for new clients Mm -hmm. and keep prices the same for current clients and maybe not even tell the current clients that i've raised my prices until there's sort of like a natural conversation yeah so like recently it's been i had a client who just competed in a powerlifting meet Mm -hmm. and it's like after the meet it's like hey just wanted to check in you know, since the last time we, like, talked about pricing, like, I've raised the prices for one-on-one powerlifting coaching. I also have this, like, team training option now, which is much lower price, where you get mm-hmm. non-customized workouts. Yep. Um, You know, it's, this is the price, the new price. Like, you're a friend, you've been a client for six months. I'm going to give you a discount off of that, but it's still higher than what you've been paying. Right. Like, which option do you want to do? Do you want to, like, switch to the team training for a while so you get ready for another meet, and then go one-on-one, stick with one-on-one? Mm-hmm. And so... It's like you're not just blindsiding them in, on a Wednesday, yeah, like randomly. Yeah.
0: And offer them maybe even just a window into why this is happening. Yeah, See, for me, when I scaled up, I did it exactly how you said. I kept for as long as I could. Eventually, t- and today, I, I like it because everybody is on the same, everybody's on the same page nice. for one-on-ones. And before I go into this, I want to let you know your conversation with me about how you structured Semi-Private actually made me open up Semi-Private, which is what I'm doing now. Oftentimes the push is charge more, charge more, charge more. But sometimes if you're already at that area where you say, okay, I'm, I'm very comfortable at a 150 an hour, like that's okay for me changing and not scaling back but changing the structure of it opening up semi-private to me i think is going to be enormous the market for 75 an hour is thrice what the market for 150 an hour is. and you
1: get three people at 75 that's a lot more than one fifty-four.
0: Yeah, exactly exactly (laughs) and for me i just decided okay i'll just take i'll just carve out 4 p.m monday through friday hey in the beginning there'll be one person in there and i'll be getting half what i think i'm worth but that's okay that's perfectly fine. This is something that goes for longevity. And all I had to do was reach out to one of the 40 people that have reached out to me in the last six months and say, hey, uh, I know you couldn't swing it at 150. I just want you to know now it's 75 if you can come at four and in in a week. And you're okay with and I'm a couple okay. other people being there.
1: Yeah. Right? You're it, in your own exactly. Plan. Yeah. Exactly. I'm
0: going to say Absolutely. the training is exactly the same. It's going to be circuit-based. There's going to be A and B squad, two circuits, four circuits for the workout, total of 45, 50 minutes. You know, you know the drill. You're already here. Mm -hmm. just with a couple other people. Yep. Most of them, that's perfectly fine. Most people are okay with that. Mm -hmm. And that was a big thing that you pointed out that I I decided to adapt. And I think that's going to be very, very, um, very beneficial.
1: Yeah. I got that from, I believe it was Rachel Cosgrove is her name. Mm -hmm. She's got a really, really successful gym business, I I think is based in California. Mm Mm-hmm. She was one of the speakers at, it was called the Raise the Bar event in Orlando. I've heard of it. Last February. They're doing another one this year. Are they? Um, It was very good. Like, amazing lineup of speakers. Mm -hmm. Like, from Dan John to, like, Charlie Weingroff to Tony Gentlecore to John Russon. It was fantastic. Um, But she talked about how, like, iterations of her business, like, almost failing, changing, pivoting, Mm -hmm. you know, like, couldn't afford rent this month. To like, I have to expand because we have so many clients. I need a bigger space. We got to knock a wall down. And <laughs> I, point, like I like that. I do that all the time. <laughs> like a hundred percent semi-private.
0: Yeah, and, and private, semi-private. If you were to ask me, this and this is this is what we sell when we do seminar work. We are selling the business model that gets you to the point where you are private, semi-private in person, with the option to also do online there high ticket go. offers. But high ticket—that's what I like. I want to be the best in my market and be paid like I'm the best in my market. That's the idea that I think everyone should strive for. If you're not striving to be better than everyone else, I just don't understand your mindset quite the same as mine because it's to the me, a podcast, right? Yeah, you go. <laughs> right right in the you. 1%, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. But it's to me that's it's very important to have that mindset and to apply it in how you actually work.
1: Uh-huh yep
2: yeah i think a, a lot of so uh we work with like coaches teaching them how to transition online and i think a lot of what you know teaching them how to do is is first of all it's a compounding effect it doesn't just happen overnight mm-hmm. like you started with no air conditioning in a garage gym and you've built it into this but it's something that takes experience so it over time people can see that you've made progress with people but it's also something we touched on earlier about being able to put into context what it is that you're offering your clients Mm -hmm. so like you know you for example we we tell our coaches we're like never go out and tell someone what your pricing is before sitting down with them one-on-one and put it into context what you're offering them and the transformation that you're going to give to them by the end of the program huge and so you need to be able to you need to be able to build up that experience and, and and put into context the transformation that you're offering your clients and i think once you get to that point where you can do that successfully um then you have a very nice high ticket program nice ticket high ticket offer to, um you can give to people mm-hmm. and, and makes... then
1: you end the sentence right with like for only $600 a month yeah right and they're for like only. they're like, like wow dang i thought that was going to be more yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> versus leading with like so it's me, six hundred dollars a month.
2: Yeah, like, nope,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, bro. Conversation over. One, yeah, yeah.
0: One time I ran an ad. One, I'll never do this again. I, I, the admin of the page literally called me. One time I ran an ad that included the pricing in it, and it became a viral thread of hate and negativity like I've never seen before. And this is one time. It, the admin of Go, I posted it on Go Gilbert. You familiar with Go Gilbert the page? No. Oh, bro, get on that. Okay. Yeah, we haven't even talked about marketing, but local. Advertising on Facebook groups. First of all, these groups, like everything else, are pay to play. If you want to use and leverage groups, you can contact the admins. And usually for like maybe 500 bucks a year, they'll let you post your ads. You know how usually they're like, this page is monitored. You cannot post ads. Yeah, that's usually bullshit. Contact the admin, and say, Hey, what's your, what's your pay to play pricing for advertising? They'll be like, Yeah, here's the, here's a splash page, check it out. And they'll have options month to month, but go for the year. So I've done that for three groups now. That's massive overhaul of marketing. That's a good little hack that oh, okay. you can take advantage for guys who are doing in person. But the point is I did one time on one of those pages I posted something that included I even did it by accident. I didn't mean to. I copied and pasted it and I threw it on and it just went on and I was like, "Oh shit. Well, you know, I'll just let it go. It's fine." I mean, within an hour the number of people who would like, like, what kind of a criminal would charge $150 <laughs> for personal training? You should be like, like, it's oh, and, and, the, and finally, the admin, he had to like, because people were mad at me and mad at him for letting oh, me wow. on yeah. and for letting me do the ad. And he's like, first of all, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, I think, I think you know where you shouldn't go with that from <laughs> now on. And I'm like, yeah, I got it. And I took it down, but never, ever, ever lead with the pricing of what you're doing. Yeah. If you're in high ticket, yeah. you have to understand that people are very, wary of buying especially online they think they're getting had because they 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 can't they are they a lot of the time people are out to get your money they don't really they're going to give you the cookie cutter experience and you're probably not going to get what you want so if you are going to be an online coach selling high ticket you need to take it as seriously and take as much time and dedication to that at least on the back end of creating your program as you do with in person
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree So what is, like, can you let me behind the curtain a little bit? Like, what are a couple of, like, the golden rules of going from online to in-person or uh, in-person to online?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of the coaches we work with um, have already established, like, an in-person, and then um, we're helping them transition online. Um, One of the big things that we need to uh, help people to understand is, like, look, you're used to talking to people in your geographic location, like, in your immediate area, we need to We need to establish um, a methodology in order to get you traffic, and we do so organically in the beginning so it 's like you know you have you have two different gyms and and one is in the town center, one is out of the town um, obviously the one in town center is going to have more traffic going by it. same thing applies online you know we're trying to up the amount of traffic that goes past your offer on a daily basis and we can do that um, because we 've learned to basically leverage the power of facebook organics instagram organics linkedin Hmm. in order to up that traffic and it's just some daily functions that we teach our coaches how to do every single day Um, but once they have that traffic picked up then it's really about networking and community building Um, today we live in an economy where it's very value-based like you have a ton of free value someone can go to your site and look at and go hey This guy knows what he's talking about. He's also given me value that I've incorporated. Mm -hmm. Um, So and and it used to be like, hey, give me the money. I'll give you all the value. (laughs) And and now it's like, well, I need to see that you can demonstrate value before I'm ready to pay you and become for you to become my online coach. And so we teach them how to build this community. um, And the community is really captured leads. And what we know is like most leads don't convert for three to six months. Like easily. it takes, yeah, easily three to six months. So
1: like 24 exposures or something.
2: Yeah. 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 The number of
0: people who DM me up. on Instagram and, and oftentimes because I have a pretty good understanding of who, maybe not now because there's a lot, but people who like and interact with us the most, I kind of know who they are. Like I see them, they pop up, I get an idea. I'll have people DM me and say, Hey, I've followed you for two years and I think I want to start training. That kind of thing is proof of what you're talking. Yeah, about. you will get people. You don't know they're watching you, but they're watching. They don't like them, any. They, of, your they don't stuff. like any. And I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, hey, Dick, you've been watching me for two <laughs> years. I've never seen you before. You've never liked anything I've put out, but you love what I've been putting out.
1: Or you, you're old, like my old high school friends, or some like old college friends. You see them for the first time in a decade. They're like, man, you're killing it on social media. You're like, I didn't even know you had. Social media. <laughs> Can you not just like heart button one time? One time. All people just watch it. Like, well, that was good. Oh, cool. so- using your workouts. You're like. Yeah. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But,
0: but, but it is, it is true and it does work and it takes time. And yeah, Yeah. I think you, to your, you said like, it's like 24 times they have to see. And especially if it's like an ad, if they're not following you in order for them to actually click on your ad, fill out your form or message you, they have to see you like three or four or five times. That's why marketing is such a, it's such a reoccurring cost. You never take your foot off the gas. It just has to keep going. Yeah. Whether it's organic or paid.
2: One one of the cool things though is when our coaches do start to get this community together is we teach them basically how to open like what we call it we call them hype cycles, um, but it's it's basically creating urgency, scarcity, all the environmental factors to push people to buy, so those people that are on the fence for like three to six months, like all of a sudden they 've got a window and they can get something, and there's bonuses that we can add on top, so we never discount the prices, so they're like, okay, well, if I get in now, I can get an extra month of coaching or I can get x, y, and z on top of what the the static offer in in the mm-hmm. group is, and so um seeing those like most of the sales that they make are in those short periods, those hype cycles, and then you know beyond that it 's like it 's like teaching people how to get on 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 sales calls what mm-hmm. we call discovery calls strategy calls triaging um and then converting into to high ticket prospects so yeah it's it's putting everything together and really teaching people you know one step at a time you have to master each different. Part of the uh, client experience, you have to master each different part of organics, of community building, of sales, and you know it's not just being good at one; it's being good at everything and being able to put it all together. So
1: that's definitely an area where I struggle. Like my like online strategy is basically just be consistent. That's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. (laughs) Keep posting. (laughs) That's a huge one, actually. Yeah, just keep posting. But I know for a fact that I could be doing a better job of like one, one post leading to the next, leading to the third. Yeah. And you are actually like posing a question, providing an answer, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the one thing I have going for me is I just keep posting. No, you have, you have
2: great (laughs) content. The one thing I would say that is, is difficult for a lot of coaches to do consistently because it's, 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 when you're putting your own stuff out to you that's the most important thing in the world but like like we said earlier sometimes you have to see the same thing seven times before it resonates if you're part of the audience and so getting coaches into the habit of posting calls to action for example that's difficult because they'll post one call to action and they'll have a negative experience and they'll go I'm not doing that again. It's embarrassing. It didn't work. Well, you got to do that like seven times, fourteen times, twenty-one times before you start getting consistent results. And it's difficult to keep going back to that well when there's no water, you know, in the beginning.
0: You touched on something that briefly you
2: touched on and didn't didn't expand it.
0: When creating the call to action, never ever ever slash the price. The price is not the thing you give them when they do the call to action. You're devaluing the the product, whatever it may be. So that that's very important. And to your point. One thing you're doing that you may not even realize is happening right now is a huge marketing tech- technique, especially with Insta, and that's collaboration.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Working with other people like you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Everything we do from this is going to be a collaborative effort. That's what Instagram rewards. If you want to build organic following, see, right now, you're doing everything kind of by yourself. I-, I, think, I mean, I've seen other people on your page, mm-hmm. but the best Instagram marketers, whether they're fitness or not, they collaborate with other Instagram influencers. That's how you scale. That's what Instagram wants. They don't want, yes, pay, uh, paid advertisement will get you followers. And like everything else, it's pay to play. So I always advise people throw five bucks a day behind an ad on something you're doing. Instagram will see that and you will get followers from that. People who are, every single person, I run three consecutive ads at any given time. Every single person that even sees the ad. I follow them, I send them a message, I like three of their posts, and I comment on an interaction. So that's every single person. You think that person's not gonna follow me? They totally are. That is one person who knows who you are. I've localized my ads, that's another thing that Instagram does very well, you can localize your ads. So I know that person is within five miles of me. They may not buy now, but they might might in a year, if I can get them to follow me, and having a really clear call to action, a reason for them to follow you, because you can't just be like, oh hey, please follow me back. That sounds totally fake and just like a bad date. Like no one, nobody wants that. But if you have something, like what I tell them is, you know, just justifiably so, I say, you know, hey, by the way, if you follow our page, this is where we do discounts, giveaways, and you'll get some cool workout stuff as well. You can copyright a lot of those so that it's already locked in the chamber, mm-hmm. but you want to have something ready for that. You want to have a reason ready for them to actually follow you because otherwise they feel like they're being sold.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I I would add on to what you said in your call to action. Don't ever say a price. I would say, you know, don't ever say that you're going to be the one to help these people as well. Like that conversation needs to take place. But you don't want to. You don't. If you're a specialist, you don't want to come off as someone that can help everyone. Like the the conversation and the call to action needs to be like, hey let's sit, sit down, let me like listen to your experience and see where you're at and see if we're a good fit to work together. Mm-hmm. Because if, if someone is approached thinking that you're gonna help everyone, well, you're no longer a specialist. You're not putting yourself in that category. Uh, you're a generalist. And you know they're going to expect some type of possibly ebook program, something like that, that they've experienced in the past and had probably a negative experience with. Mm-hmm. So So it's really like, hey, sales today is like, hey, let's sit down. Let me listen to you and see if there's a possibility where I can help you. Mm-hmm. And especially in the high ticket um, environment, you see a lot of coaches nowadays that are like, hey, I I can't help you, but I can show you someone that can or I can direct you somewhere that mm-hmm. can. And that's OK, because, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about, figuring out your niche. It's like, who do I impact the most? Uh, who can I help the most? And who do I enjoy working with the most? You're going to get the best results out of that program any day.
1: Yep.
0: for in person, too. When I have someone that contacts me and wants to know about training, wants to know, and, and once we've gone through all the scheduling and what are their goals and what what is their budget, you know, obviously that's usually where it gets hung up. What's their budget? When they realize they can only come once a week, sometimes that kind of discredits them or not discredits them, but uh, dismays them. They don't want to come. They they want to come, but they know they can't. I always, always, always refer them to a local area. I, I we have a, I have a colleague. He does his thing out of his garage. I refer him to him. I know he's... Uh, half the price I am. I'm like, Hey, look, you know, there's another guy. He's right down the street. I know you're around this area. So it must work. Contact Chris DeMarche. He does stuff over there. Always have another. So it doesn't feel like you're like, Oh, well you can't work. Well, well then adios. Right. Yeah. Like at first and foremost, we are in the service industry. We are here to help people, but being a professional that can be selective and honestly coming off like no, you need to sell to me like, like you're yeah. the client. I decide whether or not you work with me. And and that's it. when you're starting out and you're training and you're in your box gym. Usually that is non-existent. You can't tell somebody who comes to you and is willing to pay you. No, I don't. I don't know. Maybe this isn't a good fit. It doesn't seem like we're on the same level, something like that. But getting to that point, I think is important as well.
1: well that's a great place to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Where can people find you, bro? Give us your socials.
1: So. Best place by far is Instagram. It's at drdavidskolnick.dpt. That's where I am by far the most. I am perfectly happy to have anyone email me. Mm -hmm. That's david at strongerinmotion.com. I think I said this on a podcast earlier this week. My website is perpetually under construction, but it's (laughs) strongerinmotion.com. Gotcha. It's a great spot to be. those are, those are the best. Yeah. And then if you want to learn from me, like if you are a fitness professional or a rehab professional who wants to take a pain-free performance course, pain-free training on Instagram or get PPSC.com. Uh, I think our 2023, uh, course calendar is probably coming out this month. Okay. Um, you can always save 15% on any course online or in person with my code, which is essential. Okay. And if you want to listen to my podcast, it's the Essential Strength Podcast.
0: Outstanding. And when that calendar does come out, let me know because I'll throw that on story as well. Absolutely. Uh, I know that a lot of trainers have been asking me about that since I took it. Um, it. they are. It is a good course, at least the one I took. So when those new courses do come, um, especially if they're coming to Phoenix, that
1: is something that I want to know about. December 2nd and 3rd, I'm teaching at um, in Tempe.
2: The same so location, same
1: Hammer CrossFit? No, not or- Hammer CrossFit. Uh, it's a lifetime event. Oh, cool. But it's open to local trainers. So December 2nd and 3rd at Lifetime in, I believe it's in Tempe. And then December 10th and 11th will be our annual online course. Oh, cool. So we are recording that here nice in Chandler with awesome. the whole, like, all team of our coaching staff coming in. That's sick. Yeah. Wow. An
0: awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, bro. outstanding. Yeah, thank you. Thanks yeah. for coming on.
1: Thanks for
2: coming
0: thanks. on, bro. Pleasure. We'll cut it there.